When we come into John chapter 13, we really step into a remarkable, one of the most remarkable scenes in all of your Bible. Jesus is in the shadows of his cross. He is preparing his disciples for those days that are to follow. And in preparation of those days, Jesus sits down, reclines at the table with them to enjoy a last meal. As they sit around the table, they would have laid on one elbow. Understand what it, the picture is in the Bible. It always says recline at table, right? It says reclined at the table. It would have been a, a table that would have laid on the ground. And the way that the men would do in deep friendship and fellowship with each other is they would lay up on their right elbow and their bodies would be extended outward so that the inward perimeter would be the heads, the mouths of the men conversing with one another, partaking of the meal, and the outer perimeter would have been the feet. The feet would go on the outside because you lived in a filthy day, a day in which animals and livestock walked down the streets, a day in which there was not pavement. Instead, the feet would be dirty and filled with manure and dust and filth. And so you wanted that as far away from the food as possible, as this is the most unclean part of the body. And so as they are sitting, reclined at the table, Jesus and his disciples, it says that Jesus gets up from the table. Now let's stop for a second and remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, John's Gospel tells us. The one who God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever should believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. He is the one who declares boldly, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He is the one that Paul tells us is holding together the entire universe by the power of his name and the power of his hand. He is the one through which all things have been made. And Jesus stands from the table having reclined with his disciples and he disrobes. Now you understand that in Jesus' day to be a prominent rabbi, your disciples essentially functioned as servants for you. That they would wait on you hand and foot. They were there to care for you as you invested your life into them, as you invested your teaching into them. Because being with a prominent rabbi raised the prominence of the disciples. But that's not what we see in the life of Jesus. That's not what we see in the ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus rises from the table. And he removes his robe. This would be like us removing our jacket, our suit, going down to barely nothing. And he ties a towel around his waist, not just to do the work of a slave, but to actually take on the wardrobe of a slave. And one by one, Jesus goes around the outer perimeter of that table. And he gets down on his knee. And he scrubs the feet of those filthy men. Among those men were his betrayer, was his betrayer, Judas. Judas, the one that would sell him out for 30 shekels of silver to Pilate and the high priest. And Jesus nonetheless kneeled and scrubbed his feet. Among the men there was Thomas who would doubt that Jesus was in fact the risen Christ, was in fact the Messiah that had been long promised. And yet he got down on his knee and he scrubbed the manure from Thomas's feet. Among those, those disciples that day was Peter who three separate occasions would deny even having friendship with the man, even having relationship with Christ, distancing himself as far as he could 
And yet Jesus scrubbed his feet. You understand, this is the picture of the Queen of England removing her banquet gown to put on a servant's apron and to wait on those who should serve her. This is the picture of the President of the United States diving in front of the bullet for his secret servant agent. That's the ministry of Jesus. Jesus dives in front of our bullet. Jesus cleans our filth. Jesus goes to the cross to take my place and to take your place. Friends and neighbors, if you don't know this Christ, if you don't realize that he's dove in front of the bullet of God's wrath for your good, then you don't know Christ yet, but you can. But you can. The, a key phrase in what Jesus tells them is the phrase, one another. He says, I've given you an example. I've given you an example that you might serve one another, that you might live this example out among each other. Now this phrase is important because in just a few verses, he's gonna give us a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you should love one another. And by this, they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. So in Jesus' mind, as he says this command, is the fact that his disciples are to have a love for each other that is demonstrated and clear. That that's what Christ is doing. You see, Christ is giving us for us, he is being the exemplary deacon. The exemplary deacon. See, Christ loves the world. We, we get that. We're, we're, we live in a day in which that is normative language for us. We're used to saying things like that, that, that Christ loves the world. And praise God that Christ loves the world and that Christ died for the world and Christ gave himself up for the world. But it's important, brothers and sisters, that we recognize that Christ has a particular, unique, special love for his church, for his discipleship community. He loves the world, but he doesn't call the world his bride, does he? No, he calls the church his bride. Brothers and sisters, I love my community. If you know me well, you know, man, I'm as white plains as white plains can get. I am rabbit town all the way through. I love my community, but I love my wife a lot more. It's my wife's bedside that I'll lay beside day and night and not sleep to make sure she's cared for. It's my wife who I will care for in her darkest day, in her greatest sickness. It's my wife that I will go and expend the greatest energy to make sure that she is taken care of because that's my bride. I love my community, but I have a particular love for my wife. This is how Jesus loves his church. This is how Jesus loves his church. And so he tells his disciples that your first priority is to live out my particular love among one another. And I think this is especially pertinent to the, pertinent to the life of the deacon. That the first priority, the primary responsibility of the deacon is to meet the needs of the body to meet the needs of the local church, that God has raised up men from within the local church and within the local church, those men, those brothers are to go out and to meet the physical needs of the body, to live out this unique relationship that Christ has with his bride. That it even can mean that you have to lay down the ability to go out and to participate in some of the other ministries of the church and some of the other activities, some of the other great commission opportunities within the life of the church so that you can serve the church in such a way that she is set free to do those things. 
That the deacon's responsibility is primarily to one another, so much so that, she, that they are almost indirectly at times involved in the mission of the church by meeting the needs of the church so that the church can then go and do the work. Now that doesn't excuse you from the Great Commission. That doesn't excuse you from personal evangelism. It just prioritizes the way that you go about it. Now the why is important here. The why. The why that a deacon is supposed to serve this way, the why that a disciple of Jesus, a Christian, is supposed to have this, this extraordinary service among one another that we are supposed to emulate in our relationships with each other, in our friendships with each other, in our discipleship communities with each other. We are supposed to live out this, this model of foot washing among us. And the why is important because it gets to the root of what Jesus is teaching his disciples, right? Right? We've already said that this is about a particular love for his church. But I want you to think about this. I've heard it said repeatedly over the course of my life from well-intentioned people that you are never more like Jesus than when you are serving. That you are never more like Jesus than when you are serving. But the difficulty with that is that it's half true. It's half true. You see, godless people serve other people. Godless people do good things. Godless people feed hungry people. Godless people accomplish good, proper, appropriate, wonderful things with their lives. And that doesn't make them like Jesus. No, it's the motive that's different. It doesn't make you like Jesus to serve other people. It makes you like Jesus to serve other people because you have a love and a passion for the glory of God and for the good of his church. It is to serve because you love. It is to demonstrate out of the overflow of who you are and a passion for the glory of God and for his name. And so because of that saying, I will lay down my life. I will reach this low standard of service that Jesus has set for me to demonstrate his love to the body so that all the other members of the community will look and see and say, I know them to be disciples of Jesus because look at how they love each other. How will they see how we love each other? They will see how we love each other by the way that we serve each other. And brothers, you are the pace setters in our community. You are the pace setters of service and being given the token, the, the baton to be the pace setters of service, you are then just as truly to be the pace setters in love. To love your church, to love your God, to love your church family, and to serve so that they might be set free to go and to reach the nations for the kingdom of God. This is why deacons must get tired. This is why deacons must get tired. It is an obligatory ministry. It is a, it is a pain, long-suffering, painstaking ministry to be a deacon in the life of the church. But brothers, to be tired is the cost of love. To be tired is the cost of love. Mothers wake up at 2 a.m. and they rock their babies for hours on end singing to them. Not because it's going to get their name in the newspaper, not because everybody's going to tell them how wonderful they are. Not because someone's going to buy them jewelry or give them a trophy. No, they stay up hour after hour with crying babies because they love them. Because tired is the cost of love. Daddies give up their vacation days. 
to drive across state lines and to fix the leaky roof of their little girl's house, not because it's going to make him famous, not because it's going to make him known, but because he loves his little girl. Tired is the cost of love. And brothers, the calling on your life to be a deacon is a calling to get tired. A calling to get tired. A tired, an exhaustion that comes out of a passion for the name of Jesus. To live out in reflection of that. What's extraordinary is what does Jesus say? He says, is a, is a slave greater than his master? Is a, is a servant greater than his leader? Then, then if, if that's not true, then you are not greater than me. You should do what I am doing. So essentially, this is what Jesus is saying. If you find this work, this, this foot washing work to be beneath you, then you believe yourself to be above me. That if you find this foot washing, obligatory, tiresome, painstaking, long suffering work to be beneath you, then you believe yourself to be of greater value and greater priority and more importance and more prominence than me, your leader, your savior, your Lord. You see, in the kingdom of God, seniority happens in reverse. In the kingdom of God, seniority happens in reverse. Jesus was not interested in paying his dues. Jesus wasn't interested to go in his 20s, 30s, and 40s, pay all of his dues, and then coast in his 50s and 60s, right? That's not what happens in the kingdom of God. No, in the kingdom of God, as you serve the Lord, as you love the Lord, you go deeper in debt to the grace of the Lord. You see his glory and greater clarity and greater passion and greater picture. And as you see his glory, as you go deeper in debt to grace, then the more you want to serve, the more you want to live out. And so the more you begin to be willing to finish last, to work and labor in obscurity for the good of your church and for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. It's reverse seniority. The older I get, the more that I'm here, the more that I see Christ, the more that I love Christ, and the more that I love Christ, the more I'm willing to just fade into the background and do everything that needs to be done for the good of the church and for the glory of the Lord. You see, deacons denounce pride, but they aren't given speaking, role, speaking roles in the New Testament. Those roles are reserved for the elders. There, there are speaking gifts and serving gifts and deacons are given the serving gifts. But in giving the serving gifts, they denounce pride with, not with their words, but with their lives by the way that they live day in, day out, laying down their lives over and over for the good of the church. In other words, deacons live out exactly what John the Baptist says, right? In John chapter three, he must, decrease, he must increase and I must decrease. So I will show up and I will unlock the doors before everybody else gets there because he must increase and I must decrease. I will stay late and I will stack up the chairs and I will clean up the mess because he must increase and I must decrease. I will worry about the leaky roof and I will worry about the safety of the nursery and the cleanliness of the nursery because he must increase and I must decrease. It isn't fun work. It isn't appreciated work. It is necessary work. And as he must increase and I must decrease, I will work and labor in love as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a lover of the church in Iron City, and I will do the work for his name's sake. But brothers, I want you to make sure that you read verse 17. Everybody, let's read verse 17 together. This passage needs verse 17. 
Verse 17 says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do you hear what this is saying? This is painstaking work. This is long-suffering work. Oh, but brothers, this is not work without reward. This is not work without blessing. This is not work for work's sake. This is work that stores up treasure in the kingdom of God. We live in a day in which you get on Facebook and Twitter and you see somebody in their new truck and it's hashtag blessed. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, in the New Testament, material excess has nothing to do with the word blessing. Not a single time. You may have a lot, you may have a little. It has nothing to do with that. Instead, you know what it means? It means in all circumstances, whether I have a lot or I have a little, whether I have a new truck or an old one, whether I have a big house or a small one, I can be happy in Christ. Whether I'm healthy or I'm unhealthy, whether I am rich or I am poor, whether my marriage is rock solid or shaky, whatever the circumstances, I can be content and happy in Christ because Christ has set me free. See, it takes being and puts it before doing that I will be in Christ I will grow in Christ. I will mature in Christ. And then out of who I am, I will serve and I will do. Because I love, I act. And if we ever get this turned loose in our church, it'll transform the way we serve. If we get this turned loose in the life of our deacon ministry, it'll transform the way you view your ministry. Do you hear what he's saying? That it's not just about reward one day. It's not just about presents and gifts and crowns of unfading glory in heaven. All of that is in view. But that here in the now, in this fallen world, that one of the means of blessings, one of the means of joy, one of the means of happiness in the life of the Christian is service that flows out of who you are, flows out of your passion. Because if I serve my church out of love for my church and I see my church improved as a result, what does the Lord do in my heart? He lifts it. If I see lives being transformed, even though nobody knows my name, but I know, man, the Lord has let me play a role. It is a blessing to me. It brings happiness to me. And the Lord lifts my heart. Oh, brothers and sisters, let us serve the Lord together. And let us serve the Lord together out of a love for the Lord and out of a love for his church so that we might know this means of blessing. Deacon, that is the charge to you. That out of love and a willingness to be tired and unrecognized and underappreciated that you would run after the reward and the blessing that Christ offers you. Not by paying your dues, not by achieving status, but by going low, by tying the towel around your waist and scrubbing the feet of the saints even when they don't appreciate it. Let's pray together.